Introducing the new way to play daily fantasy sports with Jack Market. Jack Market is where daily fantasy sports becomes a stock exchange. Buy and sell shares of players with other users in real time. Make money every hour, every minute, every second of every game. Daily contests are live for NBA and PGA and NFL contests kick off in week one. Take control of your fantasy sports experience and download Jock Market now in the App Store. Android coming soon. Fantasy Football Podcast for Wednesday, September 2nd, eight days until the start of the NFL season. I am your host, Michael Beller, joined by Jake Seeley and Brandon Funston. Guys, I had a draft a couple of days ago. I have a draft tonight. It really is the height of fantasy draft season. How are you guys doing today? <laughs> I'm doing, doing good. good. I'm actually kind of, I'm, I'm kind of, I have my home league on Sunday, but outside nice. of that, I'm kind of sick, sick of drafting. Like, it, come on. All, can we, no, can we, well, I'll say one thing. If you're going to have an eight hour clock, just don't even invite me to your league anymore. <laughs> Brandon, we got to get the, uh, we got to get the, the nickname, the youngest curmudgeon for Jake to catch on. Oh, okay. No, I'm, I'm on board with that. You guys don't agree with that. I like you start a draft two weeks before, not even two weeks before the season, with an eight-hour clock, and we're, like I want to finish before the damn season starts. Eight hours is a little is a little long. I agree, unless you're unless it's you know the fishbowl and we're starting on July first. And by something. the way, if you're on the turn and you time out eight hours two times in a row, you should be immediately kicked from the league. What's yeah, worse, timing out on the turn back-to-back picks or making one pick and then taking like five hours to make the next pick? Oh, we had that happen oh. too. Definitely the second one. The second one <laughs> should be kicked right. out along with the other guy. We actually, I'm not kidding you. We legitimately had that happen. I'm looking at right now. 5-12, he made the pick in 14 minutes. 6-0-1, time's out for Le'Veon Bell. I would never be in a league with that guy again. I don't, I don't care. Uh, I did, my, I did a, a local draft last night. We had like half the league together at one guy's house and the other half on Zoom, and it was a blast. I loved it. I wish, you know, I would have been willing to let that thing go for as long as it, it wanted to because it was just nice to be doing something in that kind of environment again. Yeah, I've got that coming up with my uh, home league on Saturday. Tonight, I'm actually drafting a, uh, a Chicago-based media league that uh, me and our good pal Andy Barons got together to start maybe like six years ago. And so it's me, it's him, it's uh, Pat Fitzmorris, uh, Mike Tagliere. Uh, Chicago really is the center of the fantasy football universe, yeah, you guys. So uh, yeah, it's uh, it's uh, we got a lot. Of, it's a, it's a fun league. It's uh, it's a deep league. It's a fun league. I'm looking forward uh, to drafting it tonight. Our own uh, athletic Bears beat writer Kevin Fishbane is also uh, in that league as well. So uh, should be should be a lot of fun. But that's enough talk about our leagues. Let's move on to talking about helping our listeners do well in their drafts that are coming up. We are continuing through our division-by-division breakdown. And in fact, this is the last episode of that. Two more divisions to tackle here today, the AFC South and the NFC North. And we're going to get things started with the AFC South. This uh, division has just 10 players in the top 100 by ADP. Four of those in the top 50, Derrick Henry. Jonathan Taylor, David Johnson, A.J. Brown, five of those, and D.J. Chark. So you got five players in the top 50, 10 in the top 100. The team that is favored to win this division is the Indianapolis Colts, plus 120 to win this division on DK Sportsbook. So we are going to start with the Colts, of course, a new look for this team at the quarterback position with Phillip Rivers coming over from the Chargers to take the helm 
for the Indianapolis Colts. Frank Reich, one of the best offensive minds in the game. It's sort of remarkable how competitive this Colts team has been able to be over the last couple of years with all the injuries they've had with the surprise retirement of Andrew Luck just a couple of weeks before the season started last year. Now he's got a quarterback that he knows he can rely on, a starting quarterback who he was able to work with through first-team reps all summer, as short as that was. What do we make of the Phillip Rivers-Frank Reich pairing, Jake? I think we just make the fact that Naheem Hines, who Nando just used in our updated sleepers with when we did a flex position, is that he's somebody that's just being overlooked and just dismissed and not even drafted at all because it's not even just the Frank Wright connection. It's Philip Rivers throws to the running backs. I did a piece in the offseason about where the quarterback sends his targets. And outside of Joe Flacco, and Joe Flacco didn't even play the full season, uh, Philip Rivers was number two in percentage of his throws to running backs, and it was one of the highest. It was like 23 or 24%, if I remember off the top of my head. That's a huge volume of targets going to the backfield. And yes, it was Austin Eckler, but he's done that essentially his entire career, and it's not really changed with with or without Eckler. It was before Eckler. It was when Eckler was out. It's He just liked throwing to the running backs. That's who he is. So uh, we've also seen reports saying that they're going to throw to Jonathan Taylor and Marlon Mack and all that type of stuff. But Phillip Rivers, I, I think that you could just see a bounce back because he was also one of the five worst efficient quarterbacks in the league. Uh, I know Brandon mentioned that in, in your recent roundtable for the wide receivers that Mike Williams was going to have. Who was the other one, Brandon? It was Mike Williams versus somebody else to more touchdowns this year. Robert Woods. Robert, Robert Woods. Robert Woods. And I was with you on that with the Mike Williams. And I still am with you when you followed up with the question of like, well, Mike Williams sounds like he's going to start slow. And I was still like, yeah, I'm still with that because part of it was Philip Rivers' play last year. Uh, yeah. So, you know, in this offense, I think you can see an uptick. The real question here is, is Jack Doyle the number two because he's been dealing with the next situation? Or is it Michael Pittman? Or is it Paris Campbell? Like, it mm-hmm. just feels like somebody's got to get involved besides the running backs. Or is it Trey Burton who apparently is? No, he's done. Having... Yeah, he yeah, got yeah. carted off. He's like, he's like toast. Yeah, he had another injury, too. Um, hey, the the real question there, Jake, is who was number one in throwing the ball to the running back? Because I can't imagine who would who would be more than Philip Rivers. I told you, Joe Flacco. You missed that part. Oh, pay attention. Oh, gosh, <laughs> I, I was I was glued to you. I somehow you it's to it's seven forty a.m. Maybe Seattle. I'm just Cut programmed when when the when the name Joe Flacco comes up. I think I'm just programmed <laughs> just to ignore. You just don't want to even <laughs> listen to it. I, hey, look, that's a reasonable. Like, I was going to go more with what Mike just said. It's just seven forty at your time, so I understand mm-hmm. it. Uh, T.Y. Hilton, uh, an interesting guy here um, this season. We know what he can be when he is healthy himself and when he has a quarterback who is you know up to the uh, task of getting him the ball deep down the field. His uh, ADP puts him uh, in the same drafting neighborhood as guys like two of your favorites, Jake, Devontae Parker, Marquise Brown, Stephon Diggs, Tyler Boyd, Michael Gallup, Will Fuller. All those guys are being selected within one round of one another by ADP. Is T.Y. Hilton properly valued, overvalued, undervalued at, the, at that ADP? Uh, I think he's I think he's fairly valued in the in the back end of the top 30. Um, you know, I you look at he's not going to you know he used to be a top 20 regular with Andrew Luck there and uh you know things weren't as good with Jacoby Brissett but you think you think there's at least a little level up with Philip Rivers you look at I mean how dissimilar is he to Keenan Allen who had almost 160 targets and had over 100 catches he's not going to he's not going to do that he's he's not I don't think at the level of Keenan Allen but they they aren't completely dissimilar and uh you know I would expect Hilton to establish himself as that go-to guy for for Philip Rivers, and so I can see the volume leading him to somewhere that uh, that brings the ADP into a fair range for him. 
Yeah, I've had got a lot of T.Y. Hilton so far. I think people are forgetting just how good he was with, you know, Andrew Luck, obviously, for some time. But I also talk about the fact that I think the biggest concern is his age and the injuries. And, like, is that going to continue at this point? But for where T.Y. Hilton's going, it just look at the guys he's going around, to Brandon's point. Like, he's still somebody that we've seen finishes. You know what? He was Amari Cooper before Amari Cooper was Amari Cooper. Like, like <laughs> and but a better version. Like, he, I'm saying that as in he was last year's Amari Cooper before Amari Cooper. As in, like, it was three or four frustrating games. But for the most part, you were happy with it. And now you're getting T.Y. Hilton as a wide receiver three, which is where I would love to get Amari Cooper as a wide receiver three. I'd even take him as a low-end wide receiver two. But at that cost... I just don't see how if T.Y. Hilton plays 15, 16 games, uh, he's probably going to be in the conversation for a wide receiver one. Yeah, he pretty much always has been. Whenever he's played 15 or 16 games, has had even moderately solid um, uh, quarterback play, and we expect that to be the case with Phillip Rivers as a, as a floor, certainly coming over uh, to the Colts this season. Really quick, let's get through this one fast, uh, You know, 30 seconds or less. Is there any other pass catcher in this offense that you find yourself circling back to with any sort of consistency late in drafts? Paris Campbell. I think everybody's on Pittman, but I'm on Paris Campbell for the slot work. Uh, so a lot's going to be like we don't know how this is completely shaking out yet. Obviously, if Michael Pittman starts and he, you know, Paris Campbell's only out there in three wide, I'll back off. But right now, the Keenan Allen was a big slot. Phil Rivers also likes the slot middle of the field, so I've been on Campbell. Yeah, you know, I I would say I don't just because it takes some guesswork. There is it Paris Campbell? Is it Michael Pittman? Um, and I think in that range, I'm like, well, I'll just take Alan Lazard because I feel really confident mm-hmm. he is the number two guy, and I'll be fine with that. I I think I don't like you know when I'm when I'm just kind of throwing a late round flyer. It'd be nice to to have less guesswork as to whether this is going to pan out or not. And uh, and even if it does pan out, if you guess the right guy, I you know how big of a how big of upside is there? For being the guy that's maybe you know we know we talked about how much Philip Rivers throws to the running backs and how T. Y. Hilton's likely to be his go-to guy. What's left over for that guy, even if you guess right? So, um, so that's kind of where I'm at. I'm kind of just letting those other Colts receivers go. All right, we're going to leave the Colts there. If you're wondering why we're not talking about Jonathan Taylor or Marlon Mack, it's because we've done that quite a bit. Go ahead and check out some of our other podcasts here or Fantasy Football in 15. We have talked about that running back pairing a lot so far this summer. Let's move on to last year's AFC Championship game loser, the Tennessee Titans, plus 160 to win this division. Um, We know where this team uh, starts and ends everything offensively. It is with Derrick Henry. That is not going to change this year, but the first guy who I want to talk about here on this team is A.J. Brown. Obviously, last year was a a super efficient guy, did a whole lot of damage on not very many targets, and had to slog through the first half of the season with Marcus Mariota being a disappointment yet again. Things got better for A.J. Brown when Ryan Tannehill took over. Uh, It's very easy to look at A.J. Brown's per-target numbers and say, well, that's got to come down. But can he make up for that in terms of volume? Basically, he's being treated as not quite a low-end wide receiver one, but a high-end two with the possibility, the ceiling, of being a low-end one. And a lot of that is based on volume. Jake, is that right? I think it's definitely right. And I'm not that concerned for the touchdown ratio is going to come down a bit, but not to what I think a lot of people are expecting, mostly because mm-hmm. you know, I will pull in the Tyler Lockett comparison again. Why are we always crapping all over Tyler Lockett and Russell Wilson for just being so good together? Now, I don't think this is Tyler Lockett and Russell Wilson when we're talking about Tannehill, but there's a connection here. Tannehill is going to look for A.J. Brown in the red zone, in the end zone. 
He's his guy. A.J. Brown is a monster, as in a pure wide receiver talent. I actually have him as wide receiver 12. I do have him for more receptions and more yards, but guess what? Same amount of touchdowns, eight. So he gets more involved, but he still gets the same amount of touchdowns. He's going to be right in that wide receiver one conversation. Yeah, he's lower for me. I, I get it, though. I mean, the guy's uber talented. Um, but there is the there is the expected Ryan Tannehill regression. There is the expected A.J. Brown regression. If, if he, Last year, it's like he just had an amazingly efficient season. Like, you would get, like, three catches for 100 yards and a touchdown one game. And he'd do nothing but, oh, he took a, you know, he took a handoff and ran it 49 yards for a touchdown in another game. Um you know, he averaged over 20 yards a catch, and he's not like a 10 Ted Ginn type. And I, I, it's very rare that a receiver will average 20 yards a catch over two straight seasons. Um, you know, this is a run-heavy team. When the going gets tough, they absolutely turn to Derrick Henry. We saw that in the postseason. They wouldn't let Ryan Tannehill throw the ball, and A.J. Brown got nothing for three games in the postseason. I Look, I think there will be more volume for sure, um, and I see the upside to him just because he's so crazy talented. I just – don't love the environment, and I would prefer to take some of the other receivers around him who I feel are just kind of more known and safer quantities. And if A.J. Brown goes and has everything aligned for him again this year, then that's fine. It'll be on somebody else's roster. Yeah, you know, I, with uh, what we saw at A.J. Brown and Ryan Tannehill, I would have guessed that Ryan Tannehill would have been you know, slightly higher drafted this season and it's really not the case he's still going as about QB 20 QB 21 by ADP he's after Joe Burrow he's after Jared Goff he's right there with Ryan Tannehill or excuse me he is Ryan Tannehill he's right there with with Jimmy Garoppolo and Kirk Cousins and I think all of us expect there to be a step back in efficiency for Ryan Tannehill over a full 16 game season I mean the YPA numbers he was putting up last year as the starter in Tennessee were just ridiculous and it's hard to expect him to do that again so my question to you Brandon is what does a realistic step back look like this year for Ryan Tannehill (laughs) I was just uh you know I was gonna ask Jake that question because he does the projections projections but I think you know he had 22 touchdown passes and four rushing touchdowns in 12 games it feels like that would be, uh, you know, maybe the kind of projection I would give him for a 16-game season. And, you know, something in the low 3,000 yards. Um, and, you know, a little less, uh, you know, a little bit lower completion percentage. But it's probably something like that. I have him ranked in the, I believe I have him like 18th or 19th. I'm looking at Jake's rankings. He has him ranked uh, 21st with, what, 26 touchdown passes, Jake? Yep. Okay, so that's a little higher than I would give him. But, uh you know, he threw 22 uh, last year and 12, and I get your point, like the fish, but I have him passing more this year. There's already mm-hmm. been talk that, you know, they're going to open it up a little bit. It's not going to be, we're not moving, you know, to the Kansas City Chiefs or the Rams offense, but I think they're going to let them throw a little bit more than what we saw. I mean, it was 200, as you mentioned, 286 attempts in 12 games. I just feel like, I mean, if you look at it, that's the part that you, if you want to include, I do have him throwing for like, what is it, 445. Yeah. So, you know, and I don't I, pretty much everybody sort of lands him in the late teens to early 20s in, in terms of the ranking of the quarterback position. I think that's right. And I think he, you know, he's a solid second quarterback in a super flex league, something like that. A luxury back. Doesn't it feel like one. he might have the most, like, the widest range of outcomes? Like, he could be back yes. inside the top 10 or he could be dropped by week nine. <laughs> Considering he was a punchline before last year, yes, I think there's a, you know, we. I'm not ready to completely like let go of his past in Miami, but uh, well, it's kind of more the team was the punchline, <laughs> right? Right. 
Yeah, it's true. I mean, he's in the best environment he's been in uh, as a pro, so uh, maybe that's all he needed was just some competency around him. Speaking of which, just so you know, to go back to that table and that chart I was talking about for Ryan Tanhill, doesn't throw to the running backs. What a surprise. Doesn't even throw much <laughs> inside. All What's outside that? wide receiver, like outside. Well, you think and that's just receiver. a product of having Derrick Henry out there? And no, know, no, no. That's not... why I took it a step further, and I said he doesn't even throw that that much inside. He actually like so the the breakdown that I did in the article was backfield targets, and then before you know just breaking down wide receivers, it was outside versus inside versus slot because slot versus inside are two different things, obviously. So the breaking it down, uh, Tannehill was one of the lowest in percentage of targets to go into the backfield. It's like third lowest in the percentage of targets going inside, but one of the highest in the ones going outside to wide receivers. So that's kind of... So if I brought up that I really like Johnny Smith, you would throw that at me, basically. No, I, look, Johnny Smith is kind of that... That's he's inside. He's more slot. So, you know, that could be the concern. That's why I kind of broke it apart. Um, mm -hmm. You know, that would be obviously. But at the same time, we've already talked about that on the show. It's not that I don't like John o. Smith. It's just he's kind of like Joe Mixon for receptions. He's going to have to do a lot with a little. And that's why I can't get on him as a tight end one is I think he could do three for 50 every single game. But that's my concern is it's going to be three, four targets every single game. Yeah, it's, uh, he, he is one of those guys who's part of that group of, uh, you know, tight end two tier guys who, you know, not second tight end, but TE2 sort of guys who is being discussed. I think he's, you know, behind the Gesicki, Fant, Hawkinson group of guys. I think everyone pretty comfortably has him behind that, but he's almost on a tier of his own in terms of potential breakout tight ends among guys who are being drafted as tight teams. end twos. Oh, Put him yeah, on another for sure. team and I'll be all over mm -hmm. John o. Smith. Yeah, unfortunately, that's not going to happen for him this year, unless he demands a trade of some sort. But uh, <laughs> send we're probably him to not Washington. Send Logan yeah, Thomas right? to the <laughs> Titans. Now that that would be that would be a great swap for Johnny Smith, getting him there in Washington with no one really else to contend with other than Terry McLaurin. Uh, guys, let's move on to the next team here. It is the Houston Texans plus three fifty to win this division. I am going to have something to say about that a little bit later. But let's start off with Deshaun Watson, the quarterback. You know, after he after the DeAndre Hopkins trade, I was pretty sure this was true. But I went and looked, and Deshaun Watson has never played an NFL game without DeAndre Hopkins on the field. And Deshaun Watson had his injuries, but DeAndre Hopkins was always out there. So when he takes the field week one, Thursday night, eight days from today, against the Kansas City Chiefs, that will be the first NFL game he has played in his life without DeAndre Hopkins as a teammate. Jake, what is life for Deshaun Watson without that elite, elite wide receiver outside for him? It's fine. As long as we can get 15 games out of either Cooks or Fuller, can we just get <laughs> one or two? Like, look, it's fine. Like, Brandon Cooks has gone to three different teams and put up a thousand yards in all three of them. Uh, Will Fuller has shown his potential, and even my hate of Will Fuller, those are two great options. With the biggest signing that I continue to say is even if he's not the most valuable fantasy option, I mean, he could because of injuries lead this team in receptions, but you got Randall Cobb. There's a, I keep saying this, there's a reason Kiki QT was a thing for a while because Deshaun Watson likes that safety valve even with DeAndre Hopkins. He feels comfortable looking for that area. There's a reason Darren Fells had as many touchdowns as he does. A lot of times he's just looking in that area. So I think that, you know, people have been talking up Aikens, including, you know, at the site we did the Texans. They went through my rankings and projections and went through that. And funny thing was, it sounded a little cautious on Deshaun Watson, but I pushed back and I said, well, for fantasy purposes, the thing about Deshaun Watson is it's Cam Newton. He's going to run for 500 yards. He's going to throw in three, four, five rushing touchdowns. And that's why we still like Watson, despite the fact he's probably one of the few inside the top, almost, I would say, 
outside of Josh Allen, he might be the only other one inside the top 10 that doesn't throw for 4,000 yards. Yeah, I, I agree. It's going to take, you know, this is going to be the it takes a village, you know, uh, kind of a approach here as opposed to just the go to 2005. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, you have great options on the outside in, in Cooks and Fuller. And I agree. Randall Cobb, uh, he has the skill set that is uniquely different from Cooks, from Fuller, from Kenny Stills. Uh, and that could, you know, it could be sneaky valuable. It certainly is is not costing you a whole lot in drafts to, to go ahead and draft Randall Cobb. And you got, you know, David Johnson and Duke Johnson, great, great weapons out of the backfield. So, you know, the sum of all the parts is going to work out just fine for Deon, for Deshaun Watson in my mind. Yeah, Randall Cobb right now I haven't written down in the sheet as a sneaky valuable question mark, and it seems like we're all saying yes. Wide receiver yeah. 67 by ADP, and that is just since August 14th. So that's basically the ADP that we're all going to be dealing with as we have our last few drafts of this 2020 season. Hunter Renfro is ahead of him. Nikhil Harry is ahead of him. Curtis Samuel, Paris Campbell, they're ahead of him just behind him. LaVisca Chenault. Uh, Larry Fitzgerald, Stephen Sims, Brian Edwards, who I have to believe is going to be climbing ever so slightly with the Tyrell Williams injury, but uh, that is basically nothing. The acquisition cost for Randall Cobb is nothing, and he could be in a very good spot basically for this. Stupid, team. right? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's there's just I mean, there's the nothing only one I would take is Brian Edwards over him out, out of all those guys I just named. Yep. Yeah, I mean, that's probably a lateral move for him, and he had over 800 yards last year. I mean, if he just does what mm -hmm. he did in Dallas last year, then he's blowing away his ADP. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, keep that in mind, Randall Cobb, a guy who ever since he emerged in Green Bay, uh, as long as injuries haven't been part of the equation, has pretty much never let you down at what his ADP has been in a given season. Really quick, let's hit on this backfield. David Johnson and Duke Johnson. You know, David Johnson is in that total danger zone where we like to be avoiding taking running backs. Jake has said it numerous times on this show. Go running back, running back, and then when other people are talking themselves into David Johnson or Le'Veon Bell, you're jumping in on all those wide receivers who are still there but let's just say you end up in a situation <laughs> where you are talking yourself into david johnson jake how are you doing it <laughs> you know this what it comes down to is it's funny brandon just read it he just edited my mailbag and somebody said in the mailbag this is one of the ones that i answered and they asked the question hold on let me find the question so i get it completely correct uh brandon i don't even know if you remember it off the top of my head but i'm, I'm looking for it right now where's the david johnson you remember it off the top of your head Oh, there it is. It's all the way. At the, it was the quick hit one. So the question was from Victor B. It says, why wouldn't a 100% healthy David Johnson finish top 12 to 15 among running backs this year? And my response was because he looked a step slow even when he was healthy last year. And that's the point. Like, we assume he can get back to 100% being David Johnson. But it's something I, 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 you know, Brandon knows this. You know this. I've said this time before. AJ Green's a good one. We weren't going to talk about him today. He's still being injured. But the question of him being off as long as he, what is 100%? Is it 100% right. the 100% we knew, or is 100% healthy 90% of the athleticism we used to know? That, so I, that's why I don't usually get caught up in like, oh, this player looks blank, whatever. Like, just watch the film. David Johnson looks slow at times. I'm not even talking about the Tampa Bay one. I'm just talking about even when healthy. He looks a step slower. The upside and how you talk yourself into it is that he's close to what he used to be, and maybe he was hurt even then. He was just hurt all of last year. But this is two years in a row, even without being hurt, where he hasn't reached four yards per carry. He looks like he lost a step. But the upside is the passing game. The upside is if he is close to healthy, we know he's already proven the talent. He can be one of the top five running backs in the NFL. That's how you talk yourself into it. 
Yeah, and it could be a lot. Of, it could be a lot of catches. I mean, he had more. He had more receiving yards and rushing yards last year. He averaged over ten yards a catch, which is a great number for a running back. Because so he couldn't still, run past the line of scrimmage. <laughs> yeah, he is still. Uh, he's still looking good in the passing game, and, and yet that's. I I hundred percent agree. That's how you talk yourself into him. It's like, oh, could he be sixty plus catches and six hundred? Mm-hmm. You know, five hundred, six hundred plus receiving yards. Okay, can he get to a thousand total then with the rushing yards? I mean, yeah, I think uh, that's how you basically get yourself there but i i 100 percent. i mean i did it last night i was like okay what's my strategy for avoiding the david johnson range you know <laughs> yeah. the Le'Veon bell david johnson range the old the old guys that you're just not excited about wanting and it was, it was exactly that it's like oh thank god there's 30 receivers i really love you know? <laughs> who, would have, who would have thought you would be saying how do i avoid david johnson and Le'Veon bell even just three years ago right, <laughs> right. just three right. years ago you would have thought that was crazy but that's how quickly and here's how you over. talk yourself into Le'Veon Bell. There's nobody left at wide receiver. He might just <laughs> yeah, catch six seriously. passes. <laughs> yeah, he is going to be a volume hog, I think. And just for the right, just for to to put a cap on what Jake said, right? What is 100% for David Johnson? That huge year that we all remember in Arizona that we all want him to get back to. That was 2016. That was a while. when that season started. The Cubs hadn't even won the World Series in a hundred plus years, guys. Uh, I mean, just think about it like that, <laughs> right? Think about it like that. And so that was quite a while ago that David Johnson had that monster season for the Arizona Cardinals. One more AFC South team to talk about here: the Jacksonville Jaguars, plus twenty two hundred to win the division. That is not going to happen. Don't throw your money away on the Jacksonville Jaguars. There's a better chance of this what? team going 0-16, I think, than there is of winning this division. Uh, so uh, let's get It'll into it. It'll be a them. fun 0-16. It will be a fun 0-16, and it starts right with the Gardner Minshew to DJ Chark connection. I mean, how many targets, you guys, is DJ Chark going to get? I mean, you look up and down at this offense. Who is stopping DJ Chark? You look up and down at this defense, too, for that matter. Who is What is stopping DJ Chark from getting 140 targets? Really nothing, but that's the good thing is it's also there's still going to be another, what, 500 targets out there? Uh, that's maybe a little bit high. But that's, <laughs> it's, let me look. Look, that's 640. It's not that high. I mean, like yeah. 450 targets still out there. Let's put it that way. Like Because we talk about this defense. We talk about targeting offenses. Would it be just a shock if Minshew threw 600 times this year? I don't think that would Absolutely surprise no. anybody. Uh, they're going to be so much garbage time. The appeal here is to keep going back. It's the Blake Bortles Jaguars all over again. And it's the fact that Minshew runs, that you love the number one wide receiver at the time, which, oh, by the way, it just happened to be Allen Robinson putting up top 10 numbers during that time. Why can't DJ Chark do the same thing? Even if DD gets a share and Chenault gets a share as a rookie and Chris Conley looks good right now because – Nando's favorite boy Tyler Eifert's back in the mix but we saw Tyler <laughs> Eifert just play 16 games and you want to talk about looking slow I, I, like, I mean I'm gonna I have to probably go 18 20 rounds before I draft Tyler Eifert yes. but all that being said there is plenty to go around if what we're assuming is true especially now that you don't have Leonard Fournette gobbling up 200 plus carries Nando, if yeah. you are listening to this, please, please, you, you can draft Tyler Eifert, but please stop bringing him up on shows. I'm begging <laughs> you. I can't talk about him anymore. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, I, DJ Chark saved me from David Johnson and Le'Veon Bell in my draft last night. I, I went and, and drafted DJ Chark, but that's that's exactly See, doesn't what that feel talking. good? Doesn't it feel good oh, taking feels, Chark feels and Moore and all those guys? Yes. It felt great. That's it. Yeah, right. <laughs> it feels it felt, great. It feels great, you guys. It feels great. That was good. 
Let's uh, let's get into LaVisca Chenault here. We already talked about this backfield on Tuesday's show after the Leonard Fournette release. So if you missed that, go back, listen to the first uh, 10 minutes or so of Tuesday's show, and you'll get our take on both Leonard Fournette and where this backfield stands. LaVisca Chenault is really like the next most intriguing guy in this offense. When you when you get past Chark and you get past maybe Chris Thompson, I, I think you have to look at Chenault. Of course, Gardner Minshew doing what he does. But you know where does Chenault fit into our fantasy picture? Let, let me put it this way. If you're drafting LaVisca Chenault, where you're drafting him, and again, he's in that same group that we just talked about with Randall Cobb, what are you most hoping for? Go ahead, Brandon. You know, well, I'll tell you why. I, I think what I compare it to is like there's all this love for Antonio Gibson, and I get it. I think uh, LaVisca Chenault's the sneaky, nice consolation to that. Like You're going to pay a lot less for him, and you might get as much or more production overall as as Antonio Gibson in a similar kind of way. I think they're going to use him in the backfield some. They're going to move him all around. And I would not be surprised if, you know, outside of DJ Chark, I think Chanel has a chance to be the second best fantasy, uh, you know, receiver here. I think Chris Thompson will probably give him a run for his money. But uh, Chris Thompson can't stay healthy. And he has, I don't think he's played more than 11 games in each of the last three years. Uh, I just think LaVisca Chanel, a guy I loved at Colorado, watched him a, a whole lot. If he can stay healthy, I think that's the biggest question mark with him. But if he stays healthy, I think he's going to be an impactful guy for this team. We talked about how much they're going to throw. Uh, and I think they're going to use Chanel in a whole lot of different ways to get him the ball. So, yeah, to me, he's uh, he's a great late round high, you know, a potentially high ceiling guy that you can get for very cheap. Finally, we have a decent disagreement so far today. Uh, I, I'm not on Chanel, mostly not to do anything with his talent, but to do with the talent in front of him. And I say in front of him because we saw Minshew and Connolly connect last year. It was actually part of the reason that Didi didn't do as well when people thought that Didi could be, you know, the poor man's Antonio Brown. That was actually Nando's uh, call in for a while there with other quarterbacks. Nick Foles, like Didi, looked like he could be that guy. But I still think Chanel's got to get past both of them. And yeah, they're going to find ways to use him, and one of them could get hurt, or maybe he'd break out. But He's got to plow through a couple people, and I don't think it's going to be Antonio Gibson. I think it's going to be like Robert Woods, but this is the argument I got with Pat on his show yesterday. He's like, well, that's the appeal. And I said, no, it's not. The reason Robert Woods' rushing appeal is there is because he's already a fringe wide receiver one. So right. when you have the concern in your receiving weeks, he boosts himself with that unexpected rushing upside. I do agree. Chenault's going to have unexpected rushing upside, but the key is unexpected. You're not going to be able to predict the week he goes for 40 yards and the score. And that's my issue is you're talking about a wide receiver five and he might get wide receiver three value, but you're not going to be able to pit, You're not going to put, put your finger on it. So I'm with Brandon. If you're talking late round 13th, because it's all upside at that point, but where I disagree and why, and I say this, I know you're not saying this, Brandon, but the hype around him, the peak of what you see, like you, his ADP is in a reasonable spot, but if you look at the highest level, he's getting into the ninth, tenth round range for the excitement. And I don't think he's the number two as of today, and I don't think he should be taken there as today because of what you're passing on the board. I, I haven't seen this excitement, to be honest with you. I didn't know. I, I, I felt like I, you know, the comp. You need to run Antonio in my circles, Brandon. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I thought that the comp with Antonio Gibson, I think it's, it's somewhat, you know, in the, you know, in the comparable range. And I just feel like his, his excitement is through the roof. I kind of feel like Chanel, at least in my circles, is still a little bit of a, you know, is kind of under wraps a little bit. Let's yeah. take ourselves to an AFC South lightning round circle. We know we love to wrap things up with this. What's a player? Who is a player, Jake, that you are excited to roster in this division? Besides DJ Chark. Oh, Besides I, I, DJ Chark. I'm going to go back to 
<laughs> I'm gonna go back to it. It's probably another one of Brandon's guys is T. Y. You know what? I was gonna say T. Y. Hilton because I just I got him in another draft last night in the seventh round, and I'm just like loving this. Uh, it was also super flex, so sixth round for all intents and purposes. Uh, so I'll go completely different. I'll go Brandon Cooks, and I've come around on Brandon Cooks yeah. for one reason. Well, here's here's why. I'm still legitimately concerned about Brandon Cooks, but one thing I've said this entire time is I kept referencing the fact that people worry about... This was in the mailbag, too. People like, you know, moving to new teams. Everybody always says the wide receivers are struggle. And I said, that's that's a myth. It's one-third of the time they work out, one-third of the time they don't, one-third of the time they're about the same as they always were. But everybody, like the Madden curse, everybody, like the contract year, they're all myths. People just only remember it when it happens. It's the, mm-hmm. you know, after part. So... If Brandon Cooks is healthy for 15 games, and I understand one concussion can knock him out for four weeks, like a month, but if so, he's proven the number one upside. It's something I, a question I threw out to everybody a couple weeks ago. If I told you Brandon Cooks and Will Fuller both play 15 games, who's the better wide receiver? It's Brandon Cooks. He's proven it. So Definitely. I'm taking Brandon Cooks as a wide receiver four because he's still going as a wide receiver four, and that's why I'm on him. Uh, I will throw out DJ Chark. He, I drafted him last night. He's the only guy in this division I did draft. Uh, feels so I, good, right? Yeah, it feels very good. I, if I had to go with somebody else, you know, I'd kind of say Deshaun Watson because he's the fourth guy in that second tier. And if I'm going to take a, a top six quarterback, he's most likely going to be the guy because I'm going to wait till the, the, you know, the first three guys in that second tier empty out, and, and then I'll take Deshaun Watson. So, um, so if, if I need a backup there, that's my guy. Yeah, real right, quick, Brandon. just so you know, yep. Brandon, uh, Chenault is one of the he has the fifth highest gap in min to max in ADP wow. right now. So yeah, that's that's what I was referencing is the fact that he's climbing all the way up into those rounds. But his ADP still has him with wide receiver sixty eight. So I'm I'm with you, but yeah. that's that's the part I was bringing up. All right, let's get some new guys in the mix here, Brandon. One player in this division who's going to outperform ADP. Uh, I would. We talked about Randall Cobb. Totally agree that he'll he'll yeah. outperform. Uh, uh-huh. I think Lavisca Chenault will outperform wide receiver sixty eight. But I'll say Janu. You know he's going in the mid to you know late teens still at the tight end position. And I know Jake doesn't think the volume is going to be huge, but I think it's going to be uh, you know appreciably more than it was last year. He's a great yards after the catch guy, so he can do a lot with a little. Um, and so I think he's going to outperform his ADP and be a borderline tight end one. All right, so then I will go back to Paris Campbell, as Pat would say. Uh, I think that Paris Campbell is, you know, this is somebody that everybody was excited for last year who missed his rookie season because of injuries, and then all of a sudden everybody just wants the new rookie. So I, I between the two, I will take Pittman's talent every single day. But, you know, things have been sounding good for Paris Campbell, and, you know, we haven't heard a lot about Pittman, which is, cons- I don't know if that's a good or bad thing, but it just doesn't seem like anybody's been saying anything about Pittman the last two weeks feels like a bad thing right i mean it's pretty easy to say something about guys right like you know at least something (laughs) like that's what i'm saying like there's no negative but no positive at all like not even like a one day of like he just lit up this practice like that just like you said it's a little bit uneasy yeah not even like uh we knew he was nfl ready that's why we wanted him he was the number one receiver on our board nothing like that like come on you gotta be able to maybe just he's really good at keeping things under wraps maybe yeah maybe maybe you never know (laughs) um how about uh, a player in this division who is going to go bust jake 
Ooh, but Will Fuller. There you go. Boom. It's like that's a, it's the injuries, but it's not even just the injuries. It's bust because of where he's going. Everybody, I, I continue to hammer this point over and over again. People are probably di- tired of me like beating the dead horse, but it comes down to people. Another one. They only remember. They only remember that stretch of four games. They only remember the runs he goes on. And within those seasons, when healthy, they forget the five points, the three points, the disappearing. Like mm-hmm. they only forget or only remember the good. So for where he's going. It's Will Fuller. Uh, it's all those Texans, right? Brandon Cooks, David Johnson, Randall Cobb. No, I all... like Brandon Cooks as a wide receiver four. Yeah, no, I, I hear you. I would, uh, I would say then Jonathan Taylor as well. Look, I love Jonathan Taylor, but there is a Marlon Mack just problem. You. <laughs> <laughs> there is a Marlon Mack problem. We listen to Stephen Holder, Zach Kiefer. They'll tell you, you know, Marlon Mack's not going away, and Jonathan Taylor's being drafted like he is. And I, I you know, I. I, I always bet on talent, but Marlon Mack's a decent talent in in in, in of itself. So, like, it may take a while, uh, and you might be happy down the playoffs with Jonathan Taylor, but you might be very frustrated for the first half of the season, if not longer. I want to love JT, and I do love the talent. I think he's going to be a great NFL running back, but top 30, top 35 pick with Marlon Mack still there, it's a little too rich for my blood. I'll be cheering for him. I just don't think it'll be as part of too many of my fantasy teams. Last question here before we move on. Do you like any of these division winner bets? Let me go first here. How often are you going to see a team with the objective, no doubt about it, best quarterback in the division have the third best odds to win that division? It's basically never, and that's what we have here with the Texans at plus 350 and Deshaun Watson, the Titans at plus 160, the Colts at plus 120. I don't even necessarily love the Texans, but when you get that sort of gap between uh, division-winning odds and quarterback play, I feel like duty-bound to take it. So this Texans plus 350 is something that I'll, – I'll tweet out the screenshot. I will be making this <laughs> I would take the Titans. I, you know, you're talking about a team that was in the AFC Championship game last year, and I, I don't think they've gotten worse. I think they've only gotten better. I, I just I'm look at these odds, and I'm like, are, did, they, did Vegas give – Philip Rivers too much credit here. I mean, did they watch him last year? Mm-hmm. He wasn't that good. You know, there's not a whole lot left in that tank, and I don't know that that he just comes in and makes them the odds-on favorite. Yeah, I, I think that this would be one of the ones where it's, I'm not hedging bets, but I would bet too because I like both. I like the Colts for the plus. I, I, I do think he is that much better than what we saw Jacoby Brissett. Even last year's Rivers was better than last year's Jacoby Brissett. Yeah. So I agree with you, Brandon, but at the same time, Brissett was – part of the problem. So the Colts, the offensive line and defense is looking good. I do like the Texans for that odds to what you just said, Mike. Uh, but it, can you just, you just glossed over what the Jaguars, I'm not going to bet them, but plus 2,200. <laughs> Holy yeah, crap. But, that's just, yeah, but they're, they're not very good. No, no, no. I, like I just, that's, that's one of the biggest lines I've ever seen. I'm, nobody's oh, touching yeah, it. Yeah. And there's a reason why, yeah. like, I think what would you have to get to for people to actually bet it? I think that's, I think you'd have to push like 4,000 before somebody actually put money on yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they, sure. are, they, I don't even know if it's even a debate that they're the worst team in the foot in football right now. Yes. Agreed. And you can shout the you can shout value till the cows come home, but all the value in the world doesn't change the fact that they can't win the division. Right, and that's the bottom line. It's not like you can, you know, trade it in at some point. Uh, I guess you could on maybe like a prop swap, but uh, (laughs) anyways, they still need to have the ability to do it, and I just don't think they have the ability to do it. We've got one more division to talk about here, guys. Uh, We're gonna get to that in a second, but first, as we're talking about fantasy football draft season, it's upon us. Our partners at Manscaped 
have partnered with us, because that's what partners do, right? They partner together, so you write the word partner two times in one sentence, uh, to make sure that you don't gamble on shaving the same way you like to gamble on football. When it comes to men's hygiene, Manscaped is as good and safe as Christian McCaffrey in a PPR league, really, in any sort of league. The Lawnmower 3.0 is the best hygiene tool for the modern man. Because of the ceramic blade and skin-safe technology, your nicks and snags will be reduced. Lawnmower 3.0 is also waterproof and has an LED light. It is a total game changer. You can get 20% off and free shipping with the code THEATHLETIC20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code THEATHLETIC20. We will talk about that NFC North right after this. All right, guys, seven divisions down, one more to go. The NFC North is our last division to talk about. We've got 11 players here in the top 100, six of them in the top 50. So uh, one of the lesser teams in, or one of the lesser divisions in terms of t- guys in the top 100, but plenty of talent in that top 50. Dalvin Cook, Devontae Adams, Aaron Jones, Kenny Galladay, Allen Robinson, and Adam Thielen. David Montgomery was in the top 52 before uh, the groin injury that is likely going to cost him a couple of games to start the season. We are going to start here with the Minnesota Vikings plus 160 to win the division. And as I was writing this out and thinking about this team and really thinking about this team all summer, I wondered to myself, is there really any fantasy intrigue here? Adam Thielen's going to get a billion targets. Dalvin Cook is going to carry the ball 300 times and get himself plenty of targets. Uh, this is just going to be a very skinny tree. Kirk Cousins is going to do what he does and do it without Stephon Diggs this season with Diggs now in Buffalo. It just feels like a team that we sort of know basically what's going to happen in terms of role and opportunity and all that. Is there anything that we're missing here, Jake? Big Irv. I actually think we started to see the transition to Irv Smith over Kyle Rudolph, and now that Stefanski is gone, do we see as much 12? Uh, maybe, maybe, maybe not. And if not, I actually think Irv Smith might be out there finally more than Kyle Rudolph. I, I, I'm assuming. Again, I don't know. I'm not pretending I know because I don't think anybody really knows, and that's what coaches do, smartly enough. Uh, but I think that you just saw the, what he brings in the game, and I think – why I also like him is even if it's a lot of 12, even if he is still mixing with Kyle Rudolph, it's similar to Cameron Brait with O.J. Howard, is that he's the passing option. And before we just toss in Justin Jefferson trying to play outside as a rookie who played a ton as a slot in college or all of B.C. Johnson or whoever it might be, Tajay Sharp, I think Irv Smith, for all these teams that we're talking about, the number two being possibly a tight end, I think Irv Smith could be in the mix of that kind of volume where, you know, I'm not talking about 100 targets, but 70, 80. I think that we could see a breakout season for Irv Smith. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I don't know. I'm I'm probably with you, Michael, and I'm just gonna stay away from everybody else. I was I was sorta in on Justin Jefferson, but you gotta love the preseason where you have two different reports on the same day, one from the Minneapolis Star Tribune saying that Justin Jefferson has distanced himself from the rest of the receivers not named Adam Thielen, and another one from our own uh Chad Graff that says that uh you know, th- th- there was some reports that he wasn't being able to get past. I guess it wasn't Chad Graff, sorry, but that he wasn't being able to get past Olabishi Johnson. So uh, there's been mixed reports on that. Who knows what's going on with that that number two option among receivers? But uh, you know, if I'm drafting, I'm not going to I'm not going to put my money on a bet that Irv Smith you know has a breakout year or that Justin Jefferson steps in and, and you know, hits the ground running. I'm probably just limiting myself to Dalvin Cook, uh, Adam Thielen. And in a two QB league, I'm fine with Kirk Cousins as my second quarterback. 
Yeah, I believe that report you're talking about came from our other Vikings beat writer, Arif Hassan. So, um, yeah, yeah it's, a, it's, a, it's a skinny tree team. And what that means is, are Dalvin Cook and Adam Thielen two of the safest picks on the board at ADP? I love Dalvin Cook. I actually have Dalvin Cook in front of uh, Ezekiel Elliott for the concerns we talked about. Wow. Like, I have him there. It's the passing game work. It's yeah. The it's, it's, it's the same. It's Ezekiel Elliott. From last year and the year before, it's the passing game version of Ezekiel Elliott, which we talked about the concerns. Brandon talked about it. I agree with him. Is that you know the work towards the end of the year for Zeke, uh, Mike McCarthy? I just I would take Dalvin Cook. And you talked about Arif Hassan, who also said that he doesn't think Dalvin Cook is missing a single snap this year unless hurt. Mm-hmm. So I'm taking Dalvin Cook. I've been taking him as the number three instead of the number four running back. I have no problems. He still hasn't played a 16 game season in three years, so there. That's the that's the big. Neither did Leonard Fournette. I know. <laughs> and what, and where's Leonard Fournette now? I mean, what, what did that get him? Uh, what does that have to do with it? He played 16 <laughs> games last year. That's Look, the point. I think the, the thing is, is guy, if Dalvin Cook plays 14 games, you're very happy with that because we just saw it and it was it was amazing. So yeah, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm I mean I you know Dalvin Cook has as much upside as anybody. Yeah, I'm absolutely with you on him. Yeah, as great as Christian McCaffrey is, as great as Saquon Barkley is, no one's going to be shocked if Delvin Cook is the number one overall player in fantasy this season. So I'm with you, Jake. Yeah, I had him and Kamara pretty much neck and neck, and now with everything going on with Kamara, I've moved Delvin Cook ahead of him. I will be happy to have Delvin Cook in any of my fantasy leagues this season. And Adam Thielen, too. Yeah, what's up? Not to, you know, we're not even talking about this division, but just another reminder just like Cam Akers came from a questionable offense that people didn't realize how good Dalvin Cook was. I just want to put that out there for Akers. I just throwing some more Akers love out there. Oh, sounds, sounds like you're throwing some Florida State shade. I'm taking out there. it. I'm taking. I drafted him. Last oh well, that, I mean, I could, anytime I could do that. I was a kid. I, I was a. I was a very young kid, but I still remember '93 when they got the stupid title. That was dumb as crap. But anyway, let's continue. Um, all right, well, this Vikings team, kind of easy to dispose of from a fantasy perspective, so let's move on to the Green Bay Packers, plus 180 to win the NFC also North. Also easy to dispose of. <laughs> Probably yeah. also easy to dispose of, right? A lot of the, some of these NFC North, like I, I, I felt like I was sensing a theme with, uh, with some things through the NFC North. Um, let's talk about Aaron Rodgers. How about that, you guys? Same question I asked you about T.Y. Hilton, because right now we're seeing Aaron Rodgers as uh, the QB 14, I believe it is. Let me pull those QB rankings back up. And uh, yeah, so, yeah, QB 13 uh, and what I'm looking at here, right with Drew Brees, with Matthew Stafford, with Daniel Jones, all those guys right in the same range. Aaron Rodgers, properly valued, overvalued, undervalued, Brandon? Uh, I think he's fairly valued. I think I have him ranked 12 or 13 as well. I mean, still hyper-efficient, you know, 26 touchdowns to four interceptions. Uh, I think... You know, the, the issue here is that it's Devontae Adams. Um, it's not 100%. It's going to be Jay Sternberg at tight end. I think the tight end is still a question mark. Uh, I think we feel like Alan Lazard's the number two. But, man, they just – there's not a whole lot of – not a whole lot of weapons for him to throw to and it doesn't look like they want to throw uh nearly as much as they they have in the past and you know they brought in AJ Dillon it's very well known they did not draft a wide receiver uh I think part it's, of this all the whole narrative and why he's dropping is because if if the, his own team isn't going to back him why should fantasy owners back him and give him an extra benefit of the doubt so I don't think he's getting any benefit of the doubt now for being you know one of the greatest arm talents of all time it's it's you know we're reading we're reading what the team's doing and we're kind of following suit and I think that's fair. I mean he's in a group that you know we're splitting hairs with. We talk about these Hall of Fame guys. If you want to say he's nine, that's fine. Does that make him drastically different than the number thirteen guy? No, it doesn't. So um, 
I think he's in that back end QB one range, and I, I think he's fairly valued. Well, there's a couple things I'll, I'll pick out and agree with there, and I think he's fairly priced is because if the team doesn't back him, well, maybe the team thinks and sees the same thing we all questioned last year. Is you said was. Is, is it was? Is he was the best arm talent? Or, you know, is that going to mm-hmm. come back? And I think that's a lot of questions like we have and looks like maybe the team has. And that's why, to what you just said, Brandon, they are going to probably run a little bit more or as much as they did last year. 569 attempts. Uh, that's down from the year before. That's down from where it used to be around the 600, 575, 80 for a couple of years there. Uh, I think that's the big question. And if his arm isn't better. The difference is, is you know, just two years ago, the the extra 400 yards and one extra rushing touchdown pushed him to QB seven. So, it's just how tight this group is. If you want to take Aaron Rodgers as the eighth quarterback, if you want to take him as the 14th quarterback, I'm not going to complain either way because all it takes is one touchdown to move somebody probably four or five spots. Let me ask something really quick with you guys. How much are you kind of thinking? Uh, in like Aaron Rodgers has been one of the most dispassionate looking quarterbacks on the field for years. How much are you thinking that this, this whole off season just sparked a fire under him and he's going to come out like a, you know, like a man possessed. Is that, is there anything to that? Is that just a, is that just a crutch argument narrative? Uh, I think I would go more crutch than anything. Yeah. It feels narrative E, but you know, we, that's something that's just unknowable. That's the problem, yeah. right? Like, I can't call it. I'm not friends with Aaron Rodgers. I don't know what what motivates him. I can't call him up and be like, "So, Aaron, right. you feeling disrespected this offseason?" I know it's, I would be disrespected. Like I would be disrespected. He seems like yeah. he does seem like that guy. But uh, you know, it's it's something it's something that I'm not going to stake my uh, you know my fantasy team on. But he does seem like that. You know who I would stake my fantasy team on is Aaron Jones. Has there been a player who has ever gotten less talk coming off a 19 touchdown season? Then Aaron Jones, and we know that A.J. Dillon's there. We know they used a second-round pick on seemingly a player that they didn't need. But 19 touchdowns last year, and he has been a guy, Aaron Jones has, who has always delivered on a per-touch basis. He is very uh, uh, capable, more than capable, in the passing game. He's a dangerous receiver. We've seen that from him in both over full game or full season samples and standout games, individual games as a receiver. And he's just the guy in that range. First of all, when have we ever seen a guy get 19 touchdowns and get easily pushed out of the first round? We're seeing it with Aaron Jones this year. And secondly, in that range of running backs with Austin Eckler and Joe Mixon and Nick Chubb, he's just not getting talked about at all. I think that Aaron Jones is one of the most unfairly disrespected players on the board in 2020. Jake, where are you and Aaron Jones? I couldn't disagree more. I, 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 <laughs> I, look, I, I said this last year, and I'll continue to say it. Aaron Jones as a talent, absolutely. Aaron Jones on a per-touch basis, absolutely. Uh, something I wrote this offseason about Aaron Jones. Of everybody with double-digit touchdowns of 12 and up, uh, 1,300 rushing yards, 1,114 games for Dalvin Cook, 1,300 for Christian McCaffrey, 1,500 who he tied for rushing touchdowns at Derrick Henry, he had 1,084. Even if you combine his passing game numbers, everybody else around him, Christian McCaffrey, 23, almost 2,400 yards, he had 15 and change combined, that Aaron Jones. Even Derrick Henry with his passing, up to 1,700 and change. Dalvin Cook, 1,600, almost 1,700. Ezekiel Elliott, almost, oh, well over 1,700. That's my issue. Is this the t- we, we, we just talked about A.J. Brown earlier in this show. Aaron Jones should not have scored 19 touchdowns. Part of it is, yes, the talent, but part of it is the usage. But I go to the usage, and they drafted A.J. Dillon, who's a power back. They tried 
to make Jamal Williams a thing. They tried to make Dexter Williams for a thing for briefly. They tried to make Ty Montgomery a thing. They want somebody to be a thing next to Aaron Jones. I don't say it's the right decision for the Packers, but neither was ignoring the wide receiver position. They don't make necessarily the best decisions. (laughs) I can't get in on the volume of Aaron Jones equaling that touchdown rate again this year. That's my issue. Yeah, but it was 19. Can you? Let's say he loses six, and gets the same volume, gets 13 touchdowns, gets you know 1500 yards again. Um, that's that's still great value. Uh, so yeah, but that drops him down to RB nine. Just that. Yeah, that's the way running backs are going, that's, though. That's basically the back being, end of the first round. I think, and he's being drafted. He's being drafted as like RB 14. Yeah, yeah, but so, you're not factoring in the running backs around him. And that fact is that you have the guaranteed workload, guys. Like, this, so he was RB nine last year. Again, injuries. So let's say everybody's healthy. We'll talk about points per game. That's the thing is you're talking Joe Mixon, guaranteed workload, Nick Chubb, guaranteed workload, Josh Jacobs, guaranteed workload. That's the issue is like if you're going to tell me 200 carries, 1,000 yards, there's no way I'm banking on double-digit touchdowns. Are you, are you saying that you think Clyde Edwards-Hilaire will have a greater workload than Aaron Jones? Because I don't. I actually have him just, just barely in front of him, but he also plays for the Chiefs versus the Packers, and I'm going to take the Chiefs or the Packers every single time. Well, I, I think Aaron Jones is, is – I think the cops are coming to arrest you right now. <laughs> I think that's what you're hearing back over here. And by the way, like if 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 they make A.J. Dillon the goal line back, that means they don't, they don't pay attention to metrics at all. Aaron Jones has been one of the best inside the five-yard line running backs in the NFL in his career. He wasn't doing it a whole lot. He wasn't getting a lot of touches his rookie year. But the last couple of years, he has just turned those things into touchdowns over and over and over again. He's very well, efficient. It doesn't even there. have to do with the goal line back. It has to do with 1,000 rushing yards and 16 rushing touchdowns. That, you chop that in half for most players. That's the point. All right, Jake, what's our, what's our Aaron Jones-Austin Eckler side bet? I don't know, a jersey? I don't care. (laughs) Here's a comparison. Saquon Barkley, 1,000 rushing yards, six rushing touchdowns. Josh Jacobs, 1,100, seven rushing touchdowns. Phil Lindsay, 1,007. And he got a ton of carries inside the five-year-old like people don't even realize. Marlon Mack, almost 1,100 yards, eight rushing touchdowns. That's my point. It's the 1,000 rushing yards. I, I like Aaron Jones. Uh, replica, replica jersey of your choosing. Aaron Jones versus Austin Eckler, half point PPR side bet. That's certainly, yeah, uh, no problem Deal? with that. So, so we're ordering from China, is what you're saying? You know, so whatever, whatever we want to do, whatever we want to do. But uh, let's let's lock that in. Lock that in. Lock I can't have an Aaron Jones jersey because I'm a Bears fan. I can't have a Packers jersey <laughs> hanging in my in my closet as much as I like Aaron Jones. So that's why I say of your choosing. And not just Austin Eckler or, or Aaron Jones, but uh, yeah, let's lock that in. There it is, half point PPR. Got to play at least twelve. <laughs> hey, it's of your, not of your choosing, of my choosing. When Aaron Jones outscores Austin Eckler, uh, kind of your choosing. Get out of here. Um, although Kaimi Fairbairn, you know, pretty good kicker, and that would sort of be fun to make you buy a kicker jersey. I would actually, uh, maybe that's what it's going to be. Um, all right, really quick, one word answer. There have been nine seasons since 2015 of a receiver getting at least 170 targets. Does Devontae Adams make it 10 this year, Brandon? I'll say yes. Three no. words, but okay. How about you, Jake? No. Okay, let's move on. Chicago Bears, next team up in the NFC North, plus 380 to win this division. Let's start with that quarterback situation because I really don't think you can start anywhere else. Does it matter at all, Jake? Does it matter 
who wins this quarterback position, this quarterback competition for fantasy purposes? Or is Allen Robinson going to be Allen Robinson no matter what? Are all the other Bears players going to be who they are no matter if it's Nick Foles or Mitch Trubisky? It barely matters, but they'll both be productive no matter what. And I say both, including Anthony Miller. Uh, Anthony Miller at the end of the season in December, late in the year, uh, was top 15 wide receiver when Allen Robinson was still top 10. Uh, over the course of the entire season, I would rather see Nick Foles, but it's only a, a slight improvement. I mean, we're talking like if we want to throw out the percentages again, like a 20% improvement. It's not world-breaking, but, you know, it'll be slightly better than what we've seen from Trubisky. Unless some they magically flipped the switch on Trubisky that went the opposite direction because the switch went down last year. Let's be honest about Trubisky. Yes, it did. He, he, <laughs> he went from, hey, look, he hasn't improved much in his second year to, oh, my God, he crapped out his third season so uh that's why they brought in Nick Foles so a slight improvement to quarterback play and if it is Trubisky slight improvement to quarterback play could have both these wide receivers inside the top 25 for the full season I have a ton of Anthony Miller mm. yeah I don't it, it matters in a super flex league in the very 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 late rounds I mean it's you know that's what we're saying well about- I, I said it matter for the wide receivers I, I could care less about the quarterbacks yeah. <laughs> But, yeah, I mean, Allen Robinson getting 98 catches with Mitch Trubisky is, my God, if he can do that, then, um, you know, way to go, Allen Robinson. You can do it with anybody. So, um, you know, you got to feel good about Allen Robinson. Uh, Like Jake says, it's, you know, Trubisky wasn't good last year. Whatever they put out there, we got to assume it's going to be a little better than what they had last year in Trubisky. It's either going to be a better Trubisky or Nick Foles elevates the passing game a little bit more. What football god did Allen Robinson piss off in a previous life to go from Christian Hackenberg to Blake Bortles to Mitch Trubisky in his college and pro life? This is right? becoming such a this. common thing. I wonder if Allen Robinson knows that people are, you know, feeling bad for him all across <laughs> all across the country. I feel, uh, feel bad for the fact that Christian Hackenberg had a lot of talent and did <laughs> with it. <laughs> uh, that's true. That's very true. Um, how about the backfield? Uh, this was an easy backfield, I think, to peg as recently as. 10 days ago, two weeks ago, something like that. And then we got the news on the David Montgomery injury. It looked really bad on video. It ended up being not quite as bad as it looked, but you know, they said a co- like a week ago that he was going to be out for two to four weeks. And at the time, two weeks takes you up to the Friday before that first Sunday, before the Bears' first game of the season against the Lions. So I think at this point, we already have to assume David Montgomery is going to miss one game. There's, of course, the possibility that they go out and make some sort of signing that changes what we're about to talk about here. But for the sake of conversation, let's assume it's David Montgomery and Tariq Cohen as we had it drawn up before uh, the Montgomery injury. How are you treating this backfield, uh, Brandon, in any remaining drafts that you have? Hands off. I don't, I, you know, I think the thing is, is I so, I'm so soured on David Montgomery even before his injury. Um, you know, I really thought that, you know, there was the Kareem Hunt comparisons coming out of Iowa State, just a tackle breaker, versatile. Um, just watching him. Part of it's the Bears' environment. It wasn't a good offensive line, but I think he lacks uh, he, he lacks vision. He's, he lacks, lacks explosiveness. I think he's he's not an above average NFL running back in my mind. I think he's average and um, in a in a bad environment and injured. Like I, I just don't care about David Montgomery. Someone else can have him. Uh, no one's getting rich off of David Montgomery in my mind. And Tariq Cohen, one of the most inefficient running backs in the league last year on a you know what was he five point five yards per catch? It's awful. And if you're throwing him with the ball all the time, uh, that's just not you know that's just not doing much to move the needle at all. So um, two guys that anybody else can have. I'm not I'm not buying them unless it's the most ridiculously rock-bottom price uh, you can get. 
I will now take David Montgomery because I just did in the seventh round. If you're going to let me get him in the seventh, because here's the one reason mm-hmm. I do like him is they haven't signed anybody. Yeah. That yeah. makes me that makes me believe they believe the report that he's okay. And even if it's week one, he's a little limited, but he's okay by week two. If he's going to fall into the seventh round, I mean, now you're talking about Kareem Hunt's already off the board. So I'll take him there. Yeah, I just don't see them making a signing that pushes David Montgomery uh, out of the picture, right? Like, <laughs> but I, I just don't. I don't see that. I just can't see them if 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 it's really a two to four week thing. You know, the two weeks, like I said, is two days before week one. So even if it's a worst case and it's four weeks and he misses a couple of games, they're not going to sign Leonard Fournette or Devontae Freeman when they want David Montgomery to be the guy. I think they're going to make a depth signing eventually. But I just don't see them doing something. They haven't that, yet. That, I mean, that kind of feels I, like. They, or are they waiting for Saturday? Like I, I maybe you I, would I, I think see if they were waiting it out to see, Right. Yeah, I can see them. But that's why I'm saying, like, I don't see them making a signing that makes David Montgomery not the guy or sharing even the guy touches with someone else. I just think that they are comfortable enough that he's going to be back and healthy and ready to go by. Right. Week and to three. be clear. With with what Brandon said, I'm I was I, before this before the injury, I was one of the most anti David Montgomery people there were. But now that he's in the seventh round, I'm starting to get my first shares at, of anywhere of having David Montgomery. Still got to believe there's going to be plenty of volume for him once he is back on the field for this Bears team. We've got one more uh, team to get to here in the NFC North. Before we do that, let's hear from our newest football show, aptly named the Athletic Football Show. This is the Athletic Football Show. I think every football season is a big challenge in one way or another. Introducing the Athletic Football Show, an all-new podcast with me, Robert Mays, and a team of world-class NFL writers and analysts. We'll feature expert guests and our plugged-in beat writers from around the league. What Patrick Mahomes did in the last nine minutes is just absurd. You can subscribe now to the Athletic Football Show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the podcast provider of your choice. And stay with us all season long as the Athletic brings you what matters most in today's NFL. All right, very excited for that show. It has already kicked off here this week. And hey, we're going to be bringing you fantasy football on that athletic football show feed every single Friday, starting this Friday, September 4th. So be sure to subscribe to that. Uh, Detroit Lions, last team to talk about here in the NFC North, plus 550 to win the division. This is a team that there is a lot to talk about. So let's get right to it here. Matthew Stafford, everyone. You're, I don't think you are a qualified fantasy analyst unless you point to Matthew Stafford's eight games last year and say something like, imagine that over a 16-game <laughs> season. So can we imagine that, guys, over a 16-game season? Can he keep up that 2,500-yard, 19-touchdown, eight-game pace that he played at last year for a full 16 games this year. Brandon, why don't you take this one first? Uh, can he? Yes, he can. He did it in 2011. He threw for 5,000 yards and 40 touchdowns. Uh, do I think he's going to get to that level over 16 games this year? I do not. Um, but we've just been talking about all these teams with these narrow trees. We finally get to a team that has abundance of branches and leaves in, uh, in the lines. There's so many options. So it is a it is a good environment for Matt Stafford. And uh, you know, he's gonna be probably the best fantasy quarterback in this division. You know, I think he I have him ranked higher than Aaron Rodgers, obviously higher than Kirk Cousins and <laughs> we don't have to talk about the Bears quarterbacks. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I think yeah, Stafford can be very good uh, for fantasy purposes and um, just it was an amazing eight games last year and I would I, it's going to be something short of that, but maybe not that maybe not that short of it. Mm, I'll take a decent amount short of it, uh, mostly because you know I made the joke and I said when was that? And that was 2011. That was actually his breakout season. But everything's been 
quote-unquote downhill from there, even with 630 attempts, 29 touchdowns, 600 attempts, 22 touch, 22 touchdowns of 600 attempts in 2014. Kind of had somebody on that team back then, too, as well. So 2015, almost 600 attempts, 32 touchdowns. He's very, like... He varies on his touchdowns, but to get to 40, to, uh, actually 32 was his all, also only other time he even hit 30 in general was the 32. Again, this team has the makings for him to do it, as you said, Brady. Like, could he do it? Yeah, the defense isn't that good. Uh, you know, they gave away Darius Slay, so there's a lot of questions across the board. Can they be like the Jaguars and have to pass, uh, like the Giants have to pass? And can Stafford do it? Absolutely. But when you're talking about somebody who doesn't really run, and you're talking about somebody who does have to throw 600 attempts, that's why he's kind of a high-end QB2 for me. And funny enough, at least in industry drafts, it seems like people just want to draft him as a QB1 because of those eight games, Mike. So... I, I'm not going to do it, and I that's the thing. Is I haven't. I, I do not own one share of Matthew Stafford, despite the fact I think he's a great value. The value doesn't seem to be there in drafts. I uh, I own a share. I, I got him last night to pair with Daniel Jones. So I just, you know, I, I like See, that. See, I would love to do that. Yeah. But, so, but you said you mentioned that was like I'm not disparaging the league, but you said that's your home league, right? Yeah, it's not it's not an industry draft, so yeah, I don't think you can. Get and I think that. that's the that's the differentiation here is like also last year out of the eight games played, what was it five of them or six of them that he had three touchdowns in? So, uh, yeah. you you look at it over a course of a full season, like come on, that's Peyton Manning level right there. Uh, and then the other thing is again your your industry leagues is everybody wants to be the guy that gets Matthew Stafford, and I think his price just got too prohibitive in those. Yeah, but I think 2015 is not a bad comp for what you can imagine Matt Stafford being. Oh, absolutely. Year. 32 touchdowns, 4,300 yards. That's that's very doable for him. But 32 and 43, I mean, that puts him with no rushing, kind of like a low end QB one. So which now is he where has he's, to hit which that. is kind of where he's landing. Which and I think right, is fair. Right, and that's my point is he has to hit that. So you're kind of like buying that Matthew Stafford is going to do it. And I'm not saying that he can't. I'm just. That, that's my why I don't have him. I have a lot of Daniel Jones and Ben Roethlisberger because of it. Because Ben Roethlisberger, just two years ago, threw 5,000 yards. And it's going to be about, that team just likes to pass with Ben Roethlisberger. I'd rather just wait five more rounds to get Ben Roethlisberger. So it sounds like a little bit of a reverse of one of your favorite sayings here, Jake. You are buying the icing and not the cake. You're buying the Kenny Galladay and, and the Marvin, Marvin Jones and oh, the no so week TJ Hawkinson, <laughs> right? You're getting the icing here in Detroit. Because it's a funnel dicing. It's a, it's a very it's a very cool. It's all in that tube, and you can just squeeze it out into one location. It's going to three. <laughs> it's the three people. It's Kenny Galladay, Marvin Jones, and T.J. Hawkinson. Done. And you know T DeAndre Swift in the backfield, carry on Johnson some, but the passing game. We're talking about receivers generally with tight ends, and that's what I like here. Is it's two wide receivers. Amendola gets sprinkled in a little bit, but Amendola, even when he was healthy and Hawkinson were healthy, despite that Hawkinson did nothing after week one. We still saw Hawkinson have the third most snaps ahead of Amendola and the fourth most targets on Amendola's heels. And that's as a rookie, and that's despite doing essentially nothing after week one. So I love Hawkinson. If you want to talk metrics world for all those people out there that love the metrics, you put him in yards per route run, separation at the time of catch. Like, it just... I, I go read the article for Breakout Tight End because I listed like eight metrics. The reason I did so is because the names he's alongside of is Travis Kelsey, George Kittle, Evan Ingram, all the great Zach Ertz, all these great receiving tight ends that we love, and he falls right into that conversation metric-wise. 
I haven't had breakfast yet. I'm getting hungry thinking about cake with icing and <laughs> Danny, Amendola, Danny Amendola sprinkles on top. <laughs> let, let me just say this. For everyone who wants to get excited about the um, the Matthew Stafford half season, get excited about the Kenny Galladay half season. And I, not even the half season with Stafford, the half season without Stafford when his quarterbacks were Jeff Driscoll and David Blau over eight games and he caught 30 balls for 550 yards and four touchdowns. That's the half season to get excited about in Detroit. Kenny Galladay about to be a star this season. Guys, I have one more question. We have to talk about it. We're going long, so let's try to be quick with it here. This backfield, another one I think we need to talk about because of the DeAndre Swift injury. Our own Chris Burke uh, saying that he thinks that um, that on Johnson is likely to have a leading role in the backfield, at least early in the season, because of the Swift injury. Remaining dress that you have, how are you treating Swift and on? Jake, you take this one first. Uh, it's the, you know this. I love Swift. I had him as an RB2 before the injury, keeping him out for over a week. So now I'm going to compare it. It's very simple. He's Miles Sanders the last year, but you're not getting him at the Miles Sanders discount of like the eighth, ninth round. You're getting him still, still the fifth, sixth round. So here's the opportunity. You either draft Swift and be patient or you just avoid him because the person who drafts Swift in the fifth or sixth round sees that upside, and that's why they're willing to still do it, and they're not going to be willing to sell low on him. So you either take him or you don't. You're probably not going to get a buy low situation. Yeah, I'm a little bit where I mean, because you compare him to Miles Sanders, but Carrion Johnson's, I think, a better player than Jordan Howard and one of the very best, you know, second running backs in the NFL. If he stays healthy, that could be problematic. And you look at DeAndre Swift, he never had more than 14 carries per game at Georgia. They might just like this combo as a straight up platoon and that may not go away if these guys can stay healthy but that we're, we we know with Kerryon Johnson that's a big if and maybe it's a big if with DeAndre Swift now that we're seeing him already hurt as well so I mostly stay away on the on these guys all right guys short answers here NFC North lightning round Jake one player in this division you are excited to roster oh TJ Hawkinson love it Always. <laughs> we knew that was coming who <laughs> you got Brandon uh let's see um Gosh, uh, Anthony Miller is up there. I'm with Jake on Anthony Miller. I like him as a late receiver. Oh, that was going to be my ADP one, so we can cover that. Okay, go ahead. All right, Jake's got uh, Anthony Miller outperforming ADP. I am win in 100% agreement by with rounds. You guys. <laughs> yes, by rounds. Uh, exactly. I would throw out Alan Lazard in the same in the same uh, breath here. He went outside the top. 180 in my draft last night and you can just get him late no one your draft sounds dumb yeah it was, <laughs> i was i was i was cleaning it up it's a good year to go against the the joe public guys because i think everybody else because of just yeah. our situation in the world is just right. not as focused in on football as they oh you are. don't know how many texts i got brand it's uh, nando's a genius with the oh crap my draft is tonight yeah. <laughs> like that that's the best thing ever because i have so many texts of people doing that to me over the past week right yeah same here yeah. same here i really Really started getting them yesterday in a in a big big way. So hey, I'm not gonna say who it was. <laughs> uh, I'll say so. Yes. Uh, Joe covering uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs on the NHL side actually hit me up in Slack asking me for help for his draft. But I will. I'm not again. I'm not gonna say who it was. There was somebody on the NFL side asking me. Oh, <laughs> hopefully it wasn't Nanda. No, it's never Nanda. <laughs> um, all right, one player in this division who is going to go bust, Brandon. Uh, I will throw it out in the same way I threw out Jonathan Taylor. It's just DeAndre Swift because a lot of people in your drafts are just going to buy into the shiny new toy. But we talked about the injury. We talked about the timeshare potential. So I think there's a chance that he could underperform uh, his draft price. Mm, nobody. <laughs> Come on, give us no, one. No, serious. No, everybody's at their price or devalued in this division. There's nobody. Maybe, like, what, Tariq Cohen? That feels like a 
cheap one. So there you go. There's your cheap one. There's nothing here. I like <laughs> this entire right. division. Uh, Jake loves the NFC North, the one thing in football that he absolutely loves. <laughs> Any division winner bets that you guys like, I am staying away from this division. Nothing here that I like. Is there anything you guys like? I love the Lions. Uh, Man, they were they were Do you? They were in so but many plus games. Five fifty? I know. I, I think they're better than the Bears. I mean But the the five fifty, I like the Lions too. I like the Lions too, but plus five fifty, it's I, I would need it to be juicier. They are plus I want to say it's two forty five. So about two and a half to one on your money to make the playoffs. I would rather do that than bet them plus five fifty to win the division. Well, I'm yeah, not I'd saying I'd bet that, any that. of these, but I just think I mean I I just I don't think the Lions are the longest odds by as far as they put them here in this group. So that's my favorite value. Yeah. I think didn't Peter King say that they could go from worst to first? I feel like somebody did. Yeah, it's all about that defense. I thought they were, I thought they were drunk. Is... I actually sent my buddy the text and said that, like because he's a Lions fan. He's from Michigan. I said, "What the hell is he thinking?" <laughs> I don't think it's possible. I just don't I, like if no, you're going to bet on. Not. I want the no. <laughs> you don't think it's possible to, for them to win the division? No, I will. I'll give you all the bets you want to take on that one. Oh, they, they had like three I, or four games where they snatched it. defeat from the jaws of victory. You know, last year uh, it was Aaron Schatz. Aaron Schatz is the one that said they could go from from Football Outsiders said worst to first. Yeah, guys are someone's going to do it. Smart it over there, Football year. Outsiders. <laughs> yeah. All right, so so we're saying no. We're saying no, except for Brandon wants to put his life savings apparently. On I will the Lions, if, if the Lions win the division. Here you go. I, like you guys don't even have to bet against me. If the Lions win the division, I will buy a replica of whatever the hell their kicker is. Oh, nice, Matt Prater. Yes, <laughs> yes Matt Prater jersey coming Jake's way. All right, now is I have. Now is I is it still Matt Prater. I know, right? Yeah. Now I almost want the. Now I'm almost a Lions fan for this. Season. I mean, I know I won't have to spend the money, so I'm good. <laughs> Last uh, night was man, my first kicker draft, by the way, Jake. It's, the movement's happening, Jake. We're almost there. No, it's not. And how, it's going the other way. Nice try. How good, <laughs> how good did that feel, Brandon, uh, to draft a kicker? I just picked the Seahawks. I got to care. He's not going to As soon as the bye comes around, it'll be somebody else. <laughs> Look at, Exactly. Look at what you just said. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm and not arguing to keep about... kickers in, in the mix. I'm just saying I can't get my oh, league, fr- oh, I can't get my league okay, to yeah, vote yeah. them out. I can't get my league to uh, vote them out. I'm like, come so on. So here's guys. real quick before we get out of here for both of you guys. I did the CBS telethon this year, and for whatever reason, Jamie Eisenberg still has kickers in that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, because of that, you cannot not draft a kicker. So I just looked for the coolest name I could potentially find of the un- you know. It means nothing. Jaden Uckbrickabum or whatever his name is from the <laughs> Cleveland Browns. That's who I took as my kicker so I could leave the spot empty. <laughs> Obercrom. That. That's his last name. Obercrom. Nice. Jaden right Obercrom. That right there is commitment to your beliefs. That's right. So I have to, whether I like kickers or not, I have to uh, give you kudos for that, Jake. And we unfortunately have to get out of here. This was a, a fun one. We hope you had fun listening to it as well you can still get yourself a free seven-day trial to the athletic if you go to theathletic.com slash fantasy football pod for jake and brandon i am michael beller this show will be back with you tomorrow that will be nando defino and eric moody me jake and brandon will be back with you next week and we will be talking week one of the nfl season until then thanks for listening have a great day happy drafting